fans from Mercedes, another Ferrari mess, a really bizarre DNF, an enthusiastic crowd, and a hometown champion. Man, there is so much stuff this weekend at Zandvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix, and we're going to review it all. We're going to go over the race. We're going to give you our team report. We're also going to discuss the decision that came down that will put Oscar Piastri in the McLaren seat for next season. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Dezuri. Thanks for joining us. It's our Dutch Grand Prix review. We're going to go over everything at Zandvoort. And if you like what you've been hearing in our last few podcasts and haven't subscribed yet, please consider subscribing. It really helps us grow the podcast. I'm an American sports talk show host with a passion for form. Formula One. This is our second season, so we really do appreciate the listenership. If you're brand new to the podcast, I hope you give it a chance. It's a little different than other podcasts with a variety of different guests and a number of people talking about the race for about an hour, an hour and a half. We keep these about 20 to 25 minutes, hit you with the points, hit you with the news of the day, hit you with commentary, and hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll subscribe as well. So as far as the Dutch Grand Prix goes, in the end, it's a win for Max Verstappen, and he wins that race for the second straight year. Over 100,000 people, they went home happy. A nation rejoiced. Their man is the champion of the sport right now. And he also extended that points lead that it was even more gigantic when the weekend started. But nevertheless, how that win came about, we got some layers to unravel here because this was a really good race. I, I There was a lot of strategy thought. There was a lot of anticipation of what could happen. Um, and then it sort of took a twist. But in the end, I was really happy with the end result of the Dutch Grand Prix. Remember last year, it wasn't really that exciting outside the fact that it was returning to the Netherlands and it was 67% capacity, all cheering for Max Verstappen. But in the end, last year's Dutch Grand Prix, one, two, three, four, five on the grid, finished one, two, three, four, five in the race. So Verstappen started on pole and Charles Leclerc was in P2 and it was really close during qualifying on Saturday. Verstappen edged out Charles Leclerc by just two one hundredths of a second. Carlos Sainz ran third and Lewis Hamilton was fourth. Now Hamilton had a smoking lap going uh, for that final run, but Sergio Perez spun out and that ended qualifying. Mercedes and Total Wolf saying afterwards that that run he had was going to put him on pole position. Okay, well, whatever. Max Verstappen was on pole and he got a great start. He had the lead heading into turn one over Charles Leclerc, covered over the Ferrari to prevent him from taking that inside line at Tarzan. And what you had up front was both the Red Bull drivers and both the Ferrari drivers were on the soft tires. Hamilton and Russell, they were on mediums. Lando Norris and McLaren on a medium as well. And those on mediums were trying to hang out a little bit longer on that first stint as, again, everybody else was on softs. Leclerc was gaining some ground on Max and was cutting into the lead early in the race, but that really wasn't the story. What the story was, was Mercedes. How will this strategy play out to get them from the mediums to the lead of this Grand Prix and put the strategy onus on Red Bull or Ferrari to make another play? Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez on those softs were the first of the lead group to come into pit. Now for Sainz, it's a bad pit stop. It's 12.7 seconds. It's an eternity because somehow someone forgot a tire, the left rear tire. And they couldn't release him because Sergio Perez, who was coming in behind him, got a good pit stop and was released. And they had to wait till he cleared so they could release him. So it was a long, long pit stop for Carlos Sainz and another mess for Ferrari. And he came in third and it now dropped him to 11th. And that kind of ruined any chance he had for a podium finish. Now, as far as the leaders go, Leclerc, he comes in on lap 18. He gets a solid stop. Verstappen comes in one lap later, lap 19. It's not the best stop, 3.4 seconds, but all right, fine. 
At that point, the lead of the race is in the hands of Lewis Hamilton and then George Russell right behind him, the two Mercedes drivers on the medium tires. Now, both of those guys were trying for the one-stop strategy, hoping that Red Bull and Ferrari would both need another stop if the mediums could not get them to the finish. And that was going to be a really long run on those mediums for both of those teams. Lap 28, Verstappen was able to pass Russell, getting the second place of the race. Now, did so down the front stretch into Tarzan, and now Max was on the charge to track down Lewis Hamilton. But there still was this tire strategy at play. Hamilton comes in on lap 30, so he doesn't get overtaken. He comes in for the hard tires. Now, those tires are going to get Hamilton to the end. Max is on a set of mediums. That wasn't going to make it. So Hamilton was trying to get enough on Max so that when the Dutchman came in for another set of tires, he could then build up a gap, hold off Max, and get the victory. But again, it requires the race to continue to go green. By the midway point of this race, it was clear that if we were going to go green, that Verstappen was going to have to make an overtake of Lewis Hamilton at some point. Even though he was currently in the lead, he was going to have to need new tires, and that was only a matter of when and what type of tires Max would take to make that charge. Now, at this point, I want to make this something clear here. There were moments where Abu Dhabi popped into my head. There was one moment as Hamilton is making the charge to get to Max, Sergio Perez is making it really hard for Hamilton to do so. Now, you remember this at Abu Dhabi, where Hamilton was right behind Sergio Perez. Perez fought him off, kept him at bay, would fight, fight, fight. And because of that, a huge gap that Hamilton had at Abu Dhabi was shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until Verstappen was actually behind him. And Verstappen said, Checo's a legend. So their familiarity is popping up here. You know, you got Hamilton, you've got Verstappen. They're kind of battling out for the lead here, trying to figure out who's going to win the Grand Prix. Sergio Perez doing the good teammate thing, making it hard for Hamilton to close that gap to Verstappen. Now, both drivers lost some time because as they were fighting it out, coming off of turn one, uh, Sebastian Vettel was coming out of the pits and then they had to avoid him. And so that was kind of a mess. But in the end, it was about three seconds that Hamilton lost in his pursuit of Max Verstappen. But again, this is all about strategy now. Mercedes' strategy was close the gap to Max. Get enough of a lead when Max comes into pit for those fresh tires and then game on, right? Like we'll have enough of a lead, we'll hold him off. And that was the plan. However, there's one driver that messes this up, and that's Yuki Tsunoda. What happened with the AlphaTauri driver brought out every Formula One conspiracy theorist on the internet. Tsunoda stopped and said his tires were not fitted. Tires were not fitted. He was told the tires were okay. So he starts to drive off, and then he comes into the pits. Now, they wave some yellows, but no virtual safety car comes out at this point. They not only changed the tires, but now they have to adjust his seatbelt because he was unbuckling himself, loosening up the seatbelt so he could get out of the car because he thought he was stopped. But then they told him to drive on and he hadn't tightened up his seatbelt. So they were doing that and he's in the pits for a long, long time. At this point, race is going green because there was no need for the virtual safety car. So the race keeps going. Then Sonoda leaves the pit lane. He stops again and he says something's wrong with the car. And that brought out the virtual safety car. As soon as this happens, Verstappen brings, is brought in for hard tires. This was lap 49 of 72. When he left the pit lane, he kept the lead of the Grand Prix because everybody's going at a slower, a slower pace. Hamilton, all right, he comes in, he gets fresh tires. 
And that also brought in George Russell. They do the double stack. So this is going to set up for a 20 lap shootout. Max is on hard tires. Hamilton is on mediums. And Max at this point has about a 13 second lead of the race. That's what we thought was going to happen here. And then we're not done because on lap 55, Valtteri Bottas loses power. He stops his car on the front stretch. Now that brings out the full safety car, full safety car. Red Bull decides at this point, Max, you're coming in for another pit stop. And we're going to get soft tires on that car. Hamilton and Mercedes decide to stay out. They take the lead of the race. Now, George Russell is right behind him, but everyone's coming in to get softs. Russell says, oh, I need to do the same thing. I'm not really liking these mediums. Let's call in. So he calls in, says, I want to come in for softs. And then they go box, box, box. And he comes in. Now, this decision leaves Lewis Hamilton defending Max Verstappen, who's on new soft tires for the race win. Does that sound familiar to you? Because I just brought up Abu Dhabi. It sounded familiar to me. Hamilton furious because just like everyone predicted when the safety car came in on lap 60 and Max was able to get a nice toe on that banked final turn, he easily passed Hamilton for the race lead. So when the race restarted, everyone's on soft tires except for Hamilton and Sergio Perez. Hamilton was not only in danger of losing the Grand Prix, he was going to lose podium places too. Verstappen, no other issues. Raced to the checkered flag. Hamilton was passed again. This time George Russell did it, then Charles Leclerc did it, and that's how they finished. Max wins the Dutch Grand Prix again. Russell with another podium again. Another top five finish again. And Charles Leclerc returned to the podium with a P3. Now, the conspiracy theory centered around Sonoda and AlphaTauri being the sister team of Red Bull. It, it had no merit. But in the end, Ted Kravitz on the broadcast is saying it's fishy. Total Wolf said it would have been something he would have wanted investigated if there was a championship title fight on the line. But then when you add Hamilton fans who really want to see him win a race this season, you can see how people would get worked up. It was a really, really weird situation. Now, again, I don't buy into the conspiracy theories, but remember one thing. F1 got really toasted after Abu Dhabi. The Max fans obviously celebrated. The Lewis Hamilton fans were very disappointed. But there were a lot of people who weren't in either one of the camps. New fans to the sport, even old fans to the sport, who saw what happened with the way Michael Massey sort of directed that race towards the end that said, I'm done. This is now being manipulated for the wrong reasons. It's not supposed to happen where something out of normal is supposed to come in and affect a Grand Prix like this, where something goes, man, that doesn't seem right. Yuki Tsunoda saying his tires aren't fitted, but they are fitted. And then he comes in and gets new tires. And then something completely different is something wrong with the car. Like he comes in, then he goes back out and he stops again. And it would raise suspicious eyebrows given that Red Bull absolutely benefited from this. But Again, that's putting a lot in a conspiracy. You know, whenever there's a conspiracy in anything, right? I always have to ask people, tell me how it happened. Tell me what exactly took place. Tell me who benefits. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody participate in a conspiracy? Why would Yuki Sonoda participate in that conspiracy? To get a future ride at Red Bull? I mean, 
Because at one time, one day, way back in 2022, years from now, when there's an opportunity, they're going to remember that he stopped the car for no reason at all. No, AlphaTauri came out and said, look, there was something wrong with the car. We did notice it. He noticed it at first, thought it was the wheels. It wasn't the wheels, but it was something. And we brought him in. He went very slowly around the track. And there was something legitimately wrong with the car. Toto Wolf even said, I'm not even thinking about it anymore because again, it didn't really, it wasn't really problematic for, for everybody. It just drove everybody a little, a little haywire when the sister team is pulling it. You know, the one thing you're looking for is, well, if there's a yellow flag or there's a safety car and then there's a safety car. And it just so happens that the sister team of Red Bull is the one that causes it. And then all of a sudden Red Bull benefits, but the Valtteri Botas power failure that was the one that i really think set this one mercedes i don't necessarily think they messed up here george russell was trying to get as many places as he could he didn't want to be the guy blocking off max verstappen probably didn't realize he could do it anyway and in the end went look i'll get softs i could go for a run at this let's make a run at this right on the on the other side people are saying well they should have brought lewis hamilton in but Total Wolf said later, I'm trying to win the race. And I think Lewis Hamilton, this is one of the reasons he apologized afterwards was because even he said afterwards, look, I, I get it. I got to get what they're doing. Of course, you're furious at the moment. We're all furious in the heat of the moments in stressful situations when things don't go our way. We all kind of lose our cool a little bit. And I think Hamilton calmed down and realized what Total Wolf did was saying, look, you staying out was the only reason you're going to win the race. There was only one chance you were going to win the race. Now, I think Hamilton could have been upset that they let George Russell come in for softs, but I think Russell was smart enough to see an opportunity to better himself. And remember, he's in a points battle race too. I mean, he's trying to earn as many points as he can, saw an opportunity where people were going in for softs. He wanted softs, and let's see where the where it rolls. Maybe he can make a run at Max Verstappen. Maybe Verstappen makes a mistake and he inherits the lead of the race. I mean, he was playing a bunch of scenarios in his head, but he probably saw his teammate on a, a medium set tire. Then Max Verstappen was on softs and probably thought, all right, you know what? He's going to be a sitting duck anyway. And I'll just dive in here and I'll get softs as well. But in the end, it's a Max Verstappen victory. It's yet another one on the season. It extends his lead. You know, Red Bull and him can say all they want. You know, we're still still fighting to the end. We still anything can happen. No, no, we're done. He's the champion. We just got. It's a matter of time. I don't know when he's going to be crowned, but he's going to be crowned. He could skip a whole bunch of races and still win this thing. So it was a you know was felt like a coronation. It really was a coronation for Max Verstappen. All right, let's get to the team report before we get to Oscar Piastri, and let's start with Red Bull for. Stappen started on pole, won the race, even though he made it look easy. It really wasn't, as we talked about earlier. It wasn't overly difficult, but it wasn't the kind of dominance that we've seen in the past. Mercedes could have made it harder for them if they had left Russell out and they had to navigate the two overtakes. But I still think he would have been able to do that and win this Grand Prix. Passing Hamilton on the softs and getting that toe from the last corner was rather easy. After that, no one was going to catch him. However, most of the race, he had a scenario playing out again with Mercedes possibly taking the lead and he was going to have to overtake Hamilton. So again, there was something at play here that was that was kind of over the the entire Grand Prix that made this Grand Prix really, really interesting. Sergio Perez finished fifth. He suffered some tire degradation, but he did manage a top five finish for Red Bull. Mercedes. 
this could have been their day. It looked like a, their one-strop strategy was going to play out, and it was going to give them the lead of the race with Verstappen needing to catch Lewis Hamilton over the final laps, but that virtual safety car allowed Verstappen to get another stop. When a later safety car came out, Verstappen pitted again. He got those softs. He passed Lewis Hamilton. And then George Russell, because he got softs, he was able to overtake Hamilton and hang on for P2. It's another top-five finish for George Russell, who's had a remarkable season, an outstanding season. Uh, Russell Russell's decision to go for sauce did pay off. And while he couldn't catch for a step, and that is again, a great result. All right. As for Ferrari, Charles Leclerc finished third. He didn't have the pace for max early on. I and mean, he did try to cut that lead in there, but it wasn't really enough to make a serious, serious push. He did have some good lap times on those soft tires at the beginning of the Grand Prix. He admitted though, that the medium tires were a bit tricky. So it, it was a third was a pretty good result for the team, given how Red Bull was running and then how good Mercedes were on the hard tires when they were on them. Now, as for Carlos Sainz, uh, good, good grief. What a mess, man. Pit stop was over 12 seconds. Had a, a missing tire when they had the pit stop. Unsafe release. The penalty dropped him to eighth. He got a five-second penalty for that. So th- it, it, it's really incredible. It really is. It's not only always something with Ferrari, is that it is something different every single Grand Prix. Unsafe release. Now, Sainz says he was trying not to hit the McLaren mechanic that was in front of him, but nevertheless, it's another problem. They got to get this right before they go to Monza. I mean, that place is going to go crazy for them, and they got to put on a show. Alpine. They got bad news early in the Grand Prix that Oscar Piastri is not going to be driving for them. We'll get to that in a minute. Esteban Ocon finished ninth. He was P12 on the grid. Fernando Alonso, though, he had a jump. Started P13 and finished sixth. Uh, This was the fifth straight race that the team got double points. Alonso made a pit stop early for hard tires. That really did pay off. Ocon made the same strategy call a few laps later. They were both fitted for softs near the end with the safety cars. Double points allowing the Alpine to extend the lead um, in their race for P4 in the Constructors' Championship with McLaren. As for McLaren, Lando Norris finished seventh, which is where he started. He was the only driver on the team to finish in the points because Daniel Ricciardo finished 17th. He started on softs, one of the early pit stops on the day for mediums. He came in for hards. He also made two more stops. He started 17th, got into a DRS train. No matter what he did, no matter what tires he were on, he could not move up. Norris was trying the one-stop strategy, but the safety cars uh, made him change that decision. So only Norris getting points for McLaren. Alphatari. Yuki Tsunoda's day, as I said earlier, will be part of the story of the 2022 Dutch Grand Prix. Probably because it really was odd. Felt like his tires were not fitted properly. Stopped the car. Was told the tires were fine. Got back on the track. Came into the pits. Changed the tires. Tightened his seatbelt. Then as soon as he gets back on the track, oh, I gotta stop again. In reality, something was wrong with the car. Not the tires. That's why they had to stop. The conspiracy theories came out strong since it certainly helped Max with the virtual safety car. As for Pierre Gasly, he finished P11. Didn't have the pace on the medium tires that could have helped um, as he knew the hards were problematic for the team. So didn't really have the medium tires uh, right, and he knew the hards weren't going to work for AlphaTauri. Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel made a bold stop for mediums after starting on softs. He was one of the first cars to do it. He started P19, so this is a bold move to try to move up the grid, but he didn't get the kind of movement through the race that he probably hoped for. He finished P14, so he did move up a few places. Lance Stroll started 10th, finished 10th, got a point for the team. Williams. 
Alex Albon finished 12th. Nicholas Latifi finished 18th. Both drivers said that there were no expectations and both had a day for, for, to forget. I'm sorry, didn't this team just get sold to Derilliton Capital and they were putting more pressure on Yas Capital to get some results? I'm not seeing anything, all right? I'm not seeing any real results here. I mean, Albon has a couple of good races, got some points finishes, but I mean, I thought things were supposed to change for Williams now that they were under new ownership. I mean, you've got Albon, who's, again, producing some good results, but then Latifi's Latifi, right? There's nothing much more you can say about that. Haas, Mick Schumacher had the Formula One world of tizzy with his P8 start on the grid. He did so well on Saturday, getting into Q3. He started on the medium tires. He pitted early for another set. Then he went on hards before the safety car allowed him to get on softs. He ended up, though, outside the points, finishing P13. Kevin Magnussen started 18th, finished 18th. He hit a wall early on, and that uh, just didn't allow him to move up much. And then finally, Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Botas retired again. That's back-to-back DNFs for Botas. And that caused the safety car, the real safety car, to be released after the VSC came out for Sonoda. Both he and his teammate, Zhou Guan Yu, started in the back of the pack and didn't have much for their cars on the day. Zhou finished 16th. All right, so let's get to the Oscar Piastri news. Now, I told you in the last podcast in the Dutch preview that if news broke, because at the time we recorded it, it was still in the hearing process, I said once it breaks, I will talk about it in the next podcast. And luckily for you, this is the next podcast. So the big news before the Dutch Grand Prix was that contract recognition board ruled that McLaren had a valid contract with Oscar Piastri and that he would drive for them in 2023. He will replace Daniel Ricciardo. Now, Alpine argued that they had Piastri and under contract and they had funded his career. Their plan was to place him with Williams next season, but that's when they thought Fernando Alonso was staying with Alpine. They told Piastri that he would get Fernando Alonso's ride when Alonso left it in a year or two, but they weren't committing to that. Piastri then signed a deal with McLaren on July 4th and cited a breakdown and trust with Alpine as the main reason. He felt that they were not solid in how he was going to be getting into Formula One next season. He wasn't really confident that that Williams seat was going to provide a spot for him. But McLaren, they were looking to part ways with Daniel Ricciardo anyway, and they had no problems promising them that seat. They just needed to get Daniel Ricciardo gone and they were going to give him that seat. So that's why he, he signed a deal with them. What was being reported is that Piastri was in the Alpine facility. This is a trip. He was working in the simulator, and then he was told he was going to be a Formula One driver, replacing Fernando Alonso. Like, hey, we got good news for you, son. Uh, Fernando Alonso is moving on. Uh, there's an open ride. That ride's yours. Now, reportedly, teams is, is saying to the press that Piastri said, thank you. Didn't say anything, knowing he had a contract with McLaren. So it was one of those things where he knew he was leaving. He knew that he was going into the Ricardo seat, still working at the Alpine facility. And then Alpine goes, hey, congratulations. You're now an Alpine driver. And he goes, thank you. And then Alpine puts it out there because people were wondering, why did they put it out there when they felt like uh, when Piastri immediately denied it? Well, that's the reason they say they put it out. They, they told him, he said, thank you. They assumed it was all set and off he goes. The big question is going to be, how does this affect Oscar Piastri on the grid? How will it affect him with fans? Well, the latter, I, I don't think it matters. I think this is contract stuff. I don't think people, I mean, unless you're a diehard Alpine fan, but I don't think there is enough fan outrage over this that he's going to be booed at tracks or anything like that. I, I don't think that's going to occur. 
But one thing that you do learn when you're in a contract world, when you're in like around athletes, I've been a sports uh, reporter for a long, long time, is that even when contracts disrupt a unity of a football team, let's say, uh, let's say a baseball team, there's a negotiation, you know, players hold out for more money or whatever. The overriding emotion for the most part, not all, not, not all the time, but for the most part is that players respect when other players are getting what's best for them. You know, I'm a radio broadcaster. I'm a sports talk show host. And I was under contract years ago with a radio station in Colorado Springs. And I thought that the contract allowed me to leave for jobs outside of the Colorado market. I couldn't go to Denver, let's say, which was right up the road, but I could work outside the state. I thought that's how the contract worked. I was kind of young and naive. And I asked about it. They said, oh, no, you can leave for an out-of-state job. And I got an out-of-state job, and I was going to Texas. And they offered me a nice contract. They were, my family and I were all going to move. And it was there were so many things I was going to be able to do, and it was really fantastic. And then my company that I was working for held me to my contract. And I'll never forget my uh, general manager, after it was all kind of said and done, we reworked the deal and everything like that. He said, listen, I'm going to give you some advice. I know you kind of knew, but I'm going to give you advice. You're responsible for Tony D Incorporated. And I always took that and I went, you know what? I've always kind of, every time I get in situations with deals or who I'm working for or what I'm working for, I remind myself I'm the president and CEO of Tony D Incorporated. Drivers are no different. Yes, they work for teams. They sign contracts with teams. But if they feel like that contract can be broken by them legally, and in this case, Oscar Piastri and his team signed a contract with McLaren that was legal, that, that wasn't you know, breaking the, the, the contract with Alpine. There was something about that contract they signed with McLaren that allowed him to do that. In the end, he took care of himself. He wanted to drive in Formula One in 2023. He's an F2 champion. He wanted to be in an F1 seat. The team he was with could not promise him exactly how that was going to come about. But McLaren could. And he went, that's where I want to go. So I think the other drivers are going to be fine with this. Because in the end, they could probably see themselves in Oscar Piastri at some point, making sure you are taken care of, that your career is in your hands, not somebody else's hands. Right? Remember George Russell, all those years he was with Williams? And remember he was just itching, itching, itching to get into that, that seat at Mercedes? Yeah, he waited his chance, waited his turn. That seat opened up, he took it. But remember, he was under, he was feeling like he wasted some years driving for a bad backmarker team. Piastri saw an opportunity to go to a good team, drive a good car with a good team, and he took care of himself. So I think other drivers will see him in that light. All right, that's going to do it for our Dutch Grand Prix review. We are going to be back later this week with a preview of the Italian Grand Prix from Monza, the Temple of Speed, as the triple header continues for Formula One. Will Ferrari get their act together in front of the Tifosi? We shall see. We've got a lot to break down with the race coming up this weekend at Monza. Once again, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so, if you like what we're doing. And if you're new to this podcast, this is kind of the format that we do. I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to contact the show, three ways you can do it. You can hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can email me, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. We also have a Facebook page, the Overtake F1 Podcast. You can like us there and leave a comment. All right, we'll see you later this week for the preview of the Italian Grand Prix. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.